Vineyard. Welcome back to our Vine Press podcast. Where yes. We take your questions and answer them to the best of our abilities. And uh, this week, uh, lots of stuff happening. We're super pumped. Easter week. Yay. This weekend is going to be awesome at the Vineyard. Uh, we are live streaming our Saturday night service at 7, like we do, and definitely the 8, 9, 30, and 11. And we are thinking about. Maybe, maybe not live streaming the sunrise service. That's yeah. It's awful early, and there's a few other tricks. I don't know what the online audience is at 6.30 in the yeah. morning on Facebook. And, so. and we really don't like to mess with things that are set up too much. Right. And, you know, it'll probably be acoustic things. So that one you might have to come in person yeah. for. Yeah. But the other ones will be live streamed, and uh, it's going to be glorious. Yeah. We're looking forward to uh, having people in the house this, this year. You know, last year we met online, but we, we didn't... Uh, we couldn't meet inside last year at this point in time, but we're inside and we're looking forward to it. And it's been, it's been uh, people have been coming, and it should be an excellent time. If you notice anything going on, we are we doing our last little, the uh, last bit, a project on the platform right now. We we asked uh, we asked other Doug to take a little break while we um, while we shoot our podcast here. So uh, so, but if you see any tools or anything laying around, I don't know if they're in the shot or not, but that's what's happening. And we're we're basically taking the material we used on the stage floor and putting it on the face of the stage. Yeah. And then there's going to be uh, an LED strip that I can program and control to match all the scenes, so that'll give this, the yeah. band a little underglow. Yeah, it's the same kind of strip we have along the sides yeah. in the sanctuary now. It just adds another layer of tying it all together. So, um, so that's what's going on, and I think we got the rest of the acoustic panels coming in for the in-house crowd. And uh, Fran... This is about to walk in front of the camera, too. He I just, think he, he did just it. went under. Good for him. Yay. He's still work. Pastor well Friends here. Pastor Friends here, and he's actually preparing for uh, our uh, baptism service yep. coming up on Saturday. He's making Saturday sure we have morning. supplies uh, ready to go, and so we're looking forward to that. We've got quite a few people signed up. I think there's at least a dozen, which uh, usually, and there's a lot of just walk-ins, too. So yeah. we're very excited for, um, for baptism, and uh, that's just how we sort of kick the weekend off. So cool all. thing uh, Kurt and I are going to do. He's um, He found this dome thing that works with a GoPro, and so he can set up a tripod in the water, and half of the shot will be above the water, and half of it will be below. So we'll actually get footage of them starting up, going down, coming back up. And our plan is to have them on these LED walls during one of the songs. Oh, nice. So, yeah. like And, you know, most Easters I try to get that Saturday morning baptism footage yeah, worked yeah. into a song It's always a trick, so but that would be great if you can make that happen. Yeah, so cool. that's that's our hope. We'll see what happens. But um, anyway, enough talking about uh, you know, you know, stuff. Yeah, you know, Easter, too. Uh, just a little heads up. So I'm talking about uh, when, when Mary goes to the tomb. I got some cool stuff for there. But when, you know, I think the, the thing I want to focus in on, again, this Easter is... Uh, where she says, I have seen the Lord. And there's just something really powerful there. To me, that's kind of the Easter message. You know, we got to get, I've seen the Lord. You know, the, the Lord um, appeared uh, after his resurrection several times, and they didn't notice who he was. That was one at first. She didn't know who he was. But she gets it. And, um, and I think a, a lot of times we may not connect with how... Uh, how much Jesus is moving in our lives and, and how important it is for us to make that connection. And so that will be the overall theme of Easter. I think it's going to be really good. It's going to be, a, I'm looking forward to the, the entire day. And, and so all that's happening. It's going to be great. Don't want to miss it. Well, let's get into our Vine Press questions now for the week. And the first one is, what is going to be the first word, uh, if given the opportunity to speak first, when you meet the Lord? 
this person says they hope to say Hosanna, and they're referencing an old vineyard song that we used to do back, you know, 20 something years ago. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Yeah. Yeah. Is that we sang a lot of Hosanna songs? There's, there's a lot of Hosanna. I think they're referencing that one. Yeah. But, uh,. So, what, you know, what would I say? <laughs> well, I have this thought that it's the, the first moment that I see Jesus, I, I doubt that I'll be able to speak much. Um, I, I would just say it would probably be an overwhelming flood of emotion that would take place and... and uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know where words would come in uh, at that moment. Uh, you know, eventually they will. I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll be able to. He'll be hanging with us, so we'll be able to talk to him and have conversations with him and do all those other things. But that first initial time, I'm not sure. Uh, and then I, I think of that, and I think of a kind of a related story. I mean, obviously this wasn't. A, I've just seen Jesus' story, but years ago, um, I was new in the ministry, and I went to a conference, and. Uh, John Wimber was speaking at this conference, and it was a small gathering. There was only about 30 or 40 of us. And uh, I had been listening to John Wimber cassette tapes mm-hmm. and watching videotapes, you know, in the old VCR tapes, John Wimber. And, and uh, he had been, you know, really uh, informative in my walk and, you know, was part of the vineyard and he, he, sort of the founder of the vineyard. And, uh, but I had never met him. And so to go to this sort of smaller setting was really cool to me and... and uh, this, this first evening he taught, and uh, he it, it, it was felt like he'd only talked for a few minutes, and it had been several hours, and uh, and it was just really good. And he said, "Oh, but I've got to I've got to stop." And it was one of those those don't happen very often. Those kind of things where you you don't want it to stop. And uh, um, I, I remember thinking at the time, this is how that how Eutychus fell out the window. Because Paul started talking and nobody wanted him to stop. And he, you know, Eutychus finally passed out and fell out the window. Uh, but uh, after that, I, um, or next, maybe the next day, um, we were all staying at the same resort. And I went into the elevator and John Wimber walked into the elevator with me. It was just the two of us. And I was so excited because, you know, I was going to get to meet him. And uh, I got nervous. And I'm pretty sure what I said was... <laughs> And just after I got that out, the door, the elevator stopped and the door opened. Run out! He walked out, and I don't even think it was his floor or anything. He was just like, "Okay, I need to go." So, um, and so you know, if I can get tongue-tied like that with, with John Wimber, you know, I, I would have a feeling that that the first well, time I meet, you know, the creator of all things, uh, I might not be thinking of of uh, any words. It would probably be another, but I don't know. But anyway, I get it. It's going to be amazing when, uh, when we get to uh, you know, first time like that. Uh, you know, we, we know him now because of the Holy Spirit and stuff. But you know what I mean. When we, when we, that reality of him walking with us, it's going to be awesome. New creation, just going to be amazing. So, good question. Um, but that's kind of what's happening with that. Certainly a fun thought to think about when you first see him, huh? Yeah. All right, next question. Uh, in your sermon Sunday morning, you said the Pharisees knew Jesus was the Messiah, but they didn't like what he was doing. Uh, they know all the Jews thought the Messiah would restore Israel to the glory it had when David was king, but did any of them think the Messiah would be God? When Jesus made his claim to be God, the Pharisees thought it was blasphemy. Could this be part of the reason they were so determined to get rid of him? 
Since the Jews thought there was only one God, and that was unique to Judaism, the idea of God having a son, that a human one at that, must have seemed to a lot of them, like Paul, that this would be the end of their religion. Do you think any of the Jews thought Jesus was God until after the resurrection? Uh, yeah, I have an idea that they, um, they may not have been able to work out how it was going to happen, but that it was possible because, and there's some other passages too, but the uh, one I was thinking of is Isaiah 9, uh, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Um, they're in, uh, he's getting there, you know, titles that belong to God. Of the increase of his government, peace will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on. And forever the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So they had to be trying to figure out how that was going to look and what that was going to look like. And, you know, and the psalmist talks about someone, you know, sitting on the throne, of, you know, after David and all kinds of things taking place. So uh, somehow, yeah, I think they, they had the idea but weren't sure how it was going to work out as, you know, as we didn't either until, you know, fortunate for the New Testament that we know. How, how it all was going to work out and what was happening and how that all fit together. But, uh, really, a- interesting question. I really think the, the biggest reason for them rejecting Jesus was, straight up, they didn't want to lose what they had. Um, and, and that was why they were doing what they were doing. I, I, I'm pretty confident that they, they were aware that it was very possible that this was Messiah. But, you know, there's a, there's a parable that Jesus teaches. I, I don't remember, it just popped in my head about, uh, you know, a, a guy who owns a vineyard and he, he's trying to get them to settle up and they, he keeps sending people and they keep killing them. And then he said, well, I'll send my son. They won't kill him. Sure enough, they kill him too. And uh, it's kind of like that. It's that situation that he's, he's sending, he's getting the word out to his people, which Jesus does, but they ultimately decide they, they don't like the package and they say no. So, um, you know, that's when you start hearing about their hearts being hardened and all those. They're hardened their hearts, and then they, God certainly worked with their hardened hearts. But, uh, but not all of them. Some repented, some came. Um, and, you know, I think about, uh, you know, Nicodemus and guys like that, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, who, who really changed, you know. And you, although it doesn't explicitly say in the Scripture that he, you know, came to know Jesus uh, in, you know, as the Lord and Savior. I, I think his actions would demonstrate them because he was willing to publicly you know, be a part of getting him in the tomb there with uh, Joseph of Arimathea. It was a big deal. So, um, so yeah, good, good question. Yeah, they had an idea. How it was going to work out, I don't think anybody knew uh, until New Testament when they could put it together, like even the disciples. That's when they were, when all those things put, happened. Then they were able to finally put it together and I think I've talked to you about that before. All of a sudden, the light bulbs start flying off. And you can tell. They're, <gasps> and uh, so a pretty exciting time when that all happened. But good. Good question. All right. Another one. I'm still thinking about things that seem strange in the Old Testament, this person says. Uh, this is an old question. When Cain was driven from the presence of the Lord and went to the land of Nod, he seems to have found a wife there. Genesis 5.4 mentions that Adam had sons and daughters, but that was after he had Seth. In any event, was Cain's wife one of his sisters? That still seems strange. Would you please explain that? Um, well, obviously, in the very beginning, there was, they were all sort of inter- interrelated uh, until, you know, uh, 
enough sort of time had gone on that it spread out. Um, but it, this question often happens, you know, where, where, was, uh, where, did, where did these people come from when Cain goes? Here's, here's how I understand it. And, and you know, there's, there'll be other people that understand this differently. Uh, we tend to read Genesis as though it happened like boom, boom, boom. Like the, they were created and then they immediately fell. Right? Right. I don't think that's the case. I think they were created and they would have been very fertile and they started having kids. And at some point, then the fall happens. But they had already been going for a while, and it wouldn't take long in you know, perfectly healthy, extremely fertile people to create a lot of population. It Especially really pre-childbirth being difficult. Yeah, yeah. So that became there was, a difficulty after. There was no sin, so every, everything was always perfect, right? And so it would have just been happening and happening and happening. And so I believe that that's how you sort of figure that in, that there was a period of time after creation before the fall. Um, now, I, you know, other people might disagree that it happened immediately. I don't, I don't think that it did. But, um, but that would be one way to populate that surrounding area. And they, they didn't all stay in the garden. They went out. They were being fruitful and multiplying. They were going and starting on that original vocation. And, and, uh, and yet the fall changes all of that. So, um, so that's kind of how I look at that. So, so, yeah, they would have been in some way related, but it, it <clears> spread out pretty quickly and, and would have, you know, changed over time. But there was no defects to uh, intensify by people being, you know, related and, and marrying because it was, it was perfect. So you, you weren't, you know, nothing was getting messed up. Right. And, you know, do you think, like, a lot of the genetic abnormalities that would happen from interrelated people happen like after Tower of Babel, maybe? Is that like... Is right that after the fall. Yeah, right after the... Sorry. And then heading up to Babel, and then yeah, by then, by the time when languages shift, yeah, by the time you get like to Babel, you got you got a pretty big population base right. and a lot of different people groups. Um, so, you but know, they could all speak. Yes, and yes. they could all communicate. It wasn't yeah, until yeah. then where it like shifted. Yeah, then they shifted, and then you know some people say it was after Babel when all the other people groups come in. It's still the same, and then they go in different places, and things start to change. I don't know. Things are happening, um, and we, we don't have a. But certainly, that's where the big problem happens um, because. Um, you know, God comes and stirs up their language. Right. Uh, but, you know, and, and I like that story too, Babel, because when you read about Babel, you know, the, the opposite of Babel is Pentecost, right? When the Holy Spirit comes and they all understand each other again. It's a picture of new creation. We're going to be able to understand one another again and creation. So um, it's going to be very cool. Awesome. Great stuff. A few more questions. What do you think it was about raising Lazarus from the dead that got so many people to believe that Jesus was going to be their Messiah? He had already done so many miracles and brought at least two other people back to life. What made the Lazarus encounter so unique? Um, well, it, it happened, at the time that it happened, there was already people around coming for the festival. So there was, it was probably more public than some of the others. And... Um, you know, and John's just including that in, in uh, the way he's retelling things, so uh, it sort of ties into the flow of what's happening. So um, certainly there was uh, an interest in what Jesus was doing. Some people, were, though, were following Jesus, uh, you know, be, just so they could have something to do. 
Um, you, you know, they, they, they weren't all sincere. And, and this was part of the case. And they were looking for, they were looking for someone that was going to deliver them. And um, so, so they kept going in that process. And this was their hope then. And so now you have all these people that are gathered anyway. And you just had uh, this time with Jesus uh, where Lazarus had been raised. It would be very fresh on everybody's mind. And, um, you know, when something is fresh, it's a bigger deal than something that happened six months ago. Um, you know, things that, in this day and age, really, something that happens two weeks ago, you, you know, it almost isn't a big deal anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, things happen so fast, and we hear about things so yeah. quickly. Yeah, so... Like, information did not travel very fast back then. No. R- relatively speaking. Yeah, so you know? it was still a hot topic, and the timing was good. So that's what I think is going on there. All right, uh, next one. The crowd believed that Jesus would be a military king. Why did the crowd believe what they believed about Jesus? Was scripture read to them, or was their teachings based on tradition more than scripture? No, it was, it was based on scripture, um, but it, there's really two themes that are happening throughout the Old Testament. Um, and uh, so there's a, the, there's a theme of a, a suffering Messiah, and there's a theme of a victorious Messiah, and they they didn't know how to sort of connect the two. Uh, they actually be, be, there was a sort of teaching right around. There was actually two messiahs. One that would come. Uh, they called it Messiah Ben Joseph. He would come and suffer in a military defeat and die in battle. And then after that would be Messiah Ben David. This is a Jewish belief who would come and uh, he has the more traditional triumphant idea of what we think about of Messiah, but nonetheless, they, they, they weren't sure how to do it, and, they, they, and so they didn't, want, they didn't want a suffering Messiah. They wanted a king uh, to come in. That's what, they, that's what the crowd wanted. Remember, at some point, they try and drag Jesus off to make him king, like they could do that. And, uh, you know, Jesus already was king. They couldn't make him anything, but right. he wouldn't go with them. Well, this is the thing. So there's these prophetic streams. There's, uh, there's over a hundred sort of, um, of these uh, prophetic streams, prophetic passages running through the scripture coming into these two main streams that I talk about, uh, that I just talked about. And so it's tying them together. But I think Jesus does this really well for us um, in the conversation he has with the two disciples uh, on, on the walk, right? Uh, and let me, let me read Luke 24, 25, 27. And he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? He's reminding him, Look, it, this is part of what Messiah has to do. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So he's saying, No, this was always God's plan that Jesus had to, you know, that he was going to have to die and then they didn't know how he was going to defeat death and rise again but he brings the two streams together how he does that is he's coming again so he comes his first time and he deals with the biggest issues that needed to be dealt with right he he deals with sin and death and then when he comes back next time he's going to deal with the enemy and all of that mess uh you know he's already dealt with him at some level but but you know he's still kind of floating around and causing problems um when jesus comes back all that's going to get done uh, and dealt with so um this is the this is the idea from where these two streams are coming from uh, like i said the, so those prophetic uh, passages there's over 100 in the old testament um are are hitting those two sort of themes and, and uh, or categories um the the uh rejected and humble suffering quietly sort of passages that would be isaiah 52:13 
through 5312, and then a lot of them that go along with that. And then the, um, the sort of victorious king passage would be uh, Isaiah 11, 1 through 9, and others like that as well. So, um, so that's kind of what's happening there. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, when you read the Old Testament, you'll see there are these two streams, uh, and yet Jesus is the Messiah, and he merges them both. We're doing it in two, two basically uh, returns. All right, one more question. When you were talking about the Pharisees on point two of your message and the reasons of them being zealous for the law, it caused them to remember hearing that one of their motives behind this, uh, they're sure in the beginning, was to bring the consummation of the kingdom. They believed that if Israel was holy, the new heaven and earth would come. Have you ever heard or read about that? Yeah, uh, and actually that's still there's still people that would say that that's what they believe today, that, that what Jesus is waiting for is for us to get our act together and to make everything right in his power now, and then he'll show up. Um, and so they had that same belief back then, that somehow they were able to do those things. And, um, you know, I, we can't. <laughs> we, we can't. We're never going to get it right till he comes back. You know, we we, we got issues, and uh, we have Holy Spirit who empowers us to move in that right direction. But we're waiting on His return when He will set everything right. Uh, but some people think that we need to get everything set right, and then He'll return. And uh, uh, yeah, so that's been going on for thousands of years. That thought: oh, once we get it together, He'll come back. We're not going to get it together. However, we we're making a difference, and we need to be, you know, walking it out. It's not like what we do doesn't make a difference. I, and I've said that, you know, even the things that we do now, because we've started our eternal journey, we're we're new creation already, and we're to be modeling that. And somehow the impact that we're having now carries on. I don't know how God does that, but He does. Even even as He comes and renews everything, these things matter. And so how we um, treat creation now does make a difference, but. We need him to come back in order to set everything back right again and get us moving in the right direction. Great questions. Yeah, that was an awesome set of questions. Thank you guys so much for submitting those. Uh, We talked about Easter briefly. You guys want to hear the worship set? Yeah, what's going on? I know, it's it's a good one. I have it on an app. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, We're starting off with a new song called I Thank God. That's a great song. It's a great song. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've been listening and, uh, to that. Alice and I have been listening to that a lot in the car. And I'll actually reprise uh, the ending part at the end of the set, too. So oh. I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a special moment. Good. And then after that, we have Renee. And Barry should be with us this weekend. Yep, Renee yep. and Pastor Barry. Yep. So uh, Renee will be singing the song King of Kings nice. by Hillsong Worship. What's Pastor Barry going to be singing? Uh, Pastor Barry's going to be singing so low in the back, you can't hear him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Renee's got the voice, so yeah. she'll be singing. Uh, Micaiah is actually going to be playing keys this weekend, too, and singing. She's doing What a Beautiful Name, nice. also by Hillsong. Uh, and then we will probably end that first set with uh, Victor's Crown, and then we'll tie in a little tag of Jesus Paid It All, and then you'll preach, and then at the end of the set we're going to do Rattle, and we'll end with that uh, Get Up, Get Up, Get Up. Good. Get up out of that grip tag. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm really looking forward to and it. I, at some point, I have to come up and do the He well, is Risen. You will do that after Rattle, and then we'll reprise. Okay. So, so I'm giving you, like, After the, the Rattle and before here. the reprise? Yeah, yeah. So Rattle comes up. We're just, you know, okay. <laughs> you know it'll well, sound just it, like that. I hope that. it's not quite like that. Uh, not quite like that, but okay. that's, 
That, that's sort of the uh, yeah. energy level. Good. Plus and minus a few. Uh, <laughs> so well spoken. So well spoken. Anyway, uh, that's that's all I've got. It's going to be great this weekend. Thank you guys for watching. And yes. We'll be back next week yep. here, same time, same place. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to the weekend. I hope you can join us either here or online. And uh, thanks for everything, guys. Goodbye, Vineyard. Goodbye. Thank you.